Bill finally gave the Ringers Philly crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shiel Kapadia. That's right, just a couple Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos, and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Plus, when Harden and Embiid somehow convince you suckers that this year's going to be different, our fellow Philly stands at the Ringer will have you covered on the Sixers and all your other favorite teams in town. It's Philly Sports Shield. What could possibly go wrong? Join the fun and follow the Ringer's Philly special now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. And today it is Power Hour. Every week we are power ranking something. Every Wednesday during the season. And this week we are power ranking our biggest overreactions after week one. But first, <laughs> we got to talk Seahawks Broncos Monday Night Football. DK. DK. Mm. What a game. What a game. That was actually pretty fun, I got to admit. Yeah, what was it like? You just watched the Seahawks beat Russell Wilson. It's funny because there was some, um, there was like some Seahawks football transference onto the Broncos. I think, like, because I have a friend that's a big time Broncos fan, and he was texting me during the game. He's like, "I don't know how to feel. I feel I'm, I can't tell if I'm happy or if I want to die. Like, what is this?" And I was like, "Welcome to the experience. This is what we normally feel like." Now, me as a Seahawks fan with zero expectations, I was able to just like sit back and enjoy that game. It was actually really fun. (laughs) And you have a new favorite coach in the NFL, Nate Hackett. (laughs) Dude, I have no, I, I feel like I was incredibly, incredibly confused. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that was very confused at the way that they handled the last part of that game and, and kick trying to kick a 64 yard field goal. I was just like, what, what's happening? What are they doing? Um, and turns out everybody thought that. I, in retrospect, we'll give them the generosity that they were trying to run down the clock on purpose, right? And they were like, well, we're going to run a play. So the Seahawks did not call a timeout with, I guess, their plan being, we'll make the 64-yard field goal with very little time left and win. But in the moment, it just looked like they were going to go for it on fourth and five, wasted 39 seconds and called the timeout anyway. And yeah. so in the moment, it was almost like it was... It was, I was so busy being like, this is the worst clock management I've ever seen that it took me a minute to be like, oh, they were going to do the 64-yard field goal the whole time. <laughs> I, I, I was just so confused by all of it. But overall, like, how do you think Russ played? I mean, he played fine. He, he was actually pretty good. It was like pretty much typical Russell Wilson, I thought. Like, he didn't really look any different. Like... The, all the talking points that we talked about over the offseason was pretty much the same. Like, he didn't really throw over the middle of the field. You know, he was peppering on the outside. A couple of big plays. Um, to me, the big thing and the, the the concern I had was it seemed like every single snap they were rushing to get the playoff. Like, I don't know what the deal was there. Maybe it was Unbelievable. just, like, communication issues with who's getting the play call in. I don't know what it was. But a couple of the the two flubs at the goal line where they fumbled two times at the goal line, the Broncos did, were both related to the fact it felt like they were trying to hurry up and get the snap off because of the play clock was running down. And I yes. saw someone someone posted a stat. There was like 
like a whole bunch of plays where they either like the vast majority of the plays that they ran in the game were like either one or two seconds left on the play clock. So after an entire off season of talking about tempo, tempo, you know, let Russ cook all this, all this crap. Like it was the same old Russell Wilson and, and even worse maybe because they were letting the play clock run down to like one second, almost every play. So it was so weird because the crowd was so loud. And if anyone's going to understand that, Hey, the crowd's going to affect our communication. It should be Russell Wilson who played there for 10 years. <laughs> and like, if you wanted to do tempo, you'd think that like, pay, I, I love watching the Manning cast because it's a little discombobulated, kind of like our show. But every now and then you learn like something great. Right. And Peyton was just so confused of like, Peyton's point was you should be getting the the play calls in earlier because yeah. the the like people are screaming, they watch the play, they go, grab down, they they grab a beer, they like whatever. Like people aren't screaming for you. You gotta seconds. rest. People start yeah. screaming. The volume picks up closer to the snap. Yes. Peyton's like whole crescendo. point was the earlier the play call, the easier it is to communicate. And the fact that Russell Wilson was waiting so long to get the play in was was bizarre. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's like I'm not gonna blame Russell Wilson for two goal line fumbles. Like there's a world where those those Melvin Gordon, Javante both score and they win by 14 and we're having a yeah. totally different conversation. But you're right, DK. The fumbles are bad, but the runs were stuffed largely because the defensive line was getting such insane. I mean, when you push the center back at the goal line by two yards, that's like the equivalent of like, it's like, I mean, it feels like 30. Two yards is not supposed to happen at the goal line. And that's because there was no time left and the defense can just go when Russ does the snap, right? There's no mystery. Overall, though, I think you're right, DK. I think the the analysis that we've had and a lot of people, most people have had on this was spot on. It was Russell Wilson, exactly like how the Seahawks have been for 10 years, or really the last five, but with, yeah. like, better players around him. Yeah. Uh, honestly, and, like, you you mentioned, like, this could have been a different game. This could have been a very different game if other things had gone well for the Seahawks, too. Like, the Seahawks dropped two interceptions. Like, one of them went directly yes. off of uh, Jamal Adams' face. And then the second one, I think Quandre Diggs dropped, a touch, or dropped an interception in the back of the end zone. So, like... This this is the type of thing that can go both ways in any game. I thought the Seahawks played better than I was expecting. To be totally honest, I was not expecting them to win. I told my dad before the game, I'm like, I think it'll uh, it'll be a close. It's going to be a slog, as most Seahawks games are. Um, but they'll end up losing. So it was a it was a pleasant surprise to see them pull it out. I thought Geno Smith played better than I was expecting. He looked pretty sharp, honestly. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, more importantly, DK, what were your thoughts on the avalanche of subtweets coming from every former oh Seahawk God. across social media? This was the best part. Like, basically, it was like the whole Ron Burgundy news team assemble thing with like all this, all the Russell Wilson haters came to Seattle for this game. It was like Marshawn Lynch, Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman, like. I was I wouldn't be surprised if Golden Tate was like hiding somewhere in the in the stadium or <laughs> you know like watching from the roof or whatever, like. There are so many ex-players that like seem seemingly no, they do. They hate Russell Wilson. It's just so funny. Doug like, Baldwin hates Russell Wilson. <laughs> Dude, did you see his yes. tweet? Yes. Why does Doug Baldwin? I saw the tweet. Why does Doug Baldwin hate Russell Wilson? Dude, it's like a decade of history. Um, Have you heard Russell Wilson? I knew why the defense hated him, and I knew Doug Baldwin and Sherman. It could be boiled friends. down. It could be boiled down to Russell Wilson takes credit for everything. I think um, there's probably a lot of personality quirks. And many other things involved with that. Money, I'm sure, is probably part of it. I also think for somebody who claims to be, you know, a big of a teammate as he is and team focused as he is, he is also one of the most self centered egomaniac <laughs> yes. quarterbacks. Did you oh, see yeah. him at the start of the game with his eyes closed and his headphones on, with his arms wide open, spinning at center field with cameras taking photos of him right behind him? <laughs> yeah, he does it. Yeah, he's a team player. Do you want to ask again why Doug Baldwin hates Russell Wilson? <laughs> like, I, I, I know that it sounds like sour grapes coming from a Seahawks fan, but like, I mean, obviously, this, this is, is like Russell Wilson's always been this kind of like weird guy. Um, so it's just now less like he's not our weird guy anymore. So now we can kind of let it fly. Do you think you have the same relationship with him as like, like, like when Tom Brady left the Pats, Bill rooted for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. If Denver made the Super Bowl and they were against whoever, the Bucks even, would you root for Russell Wilson or would you root for the opposing team? Not Brady, because that's there's too much history there. Whatever like, the Packers, any, the Packers, yeah, Packers. That's a good, that's a good one. I don't think, I, I don't know. I don't think I would like be rooting against him. No, I, I don't know if I'd be rooting for him either, though. I think that's maybe the distinction. Yeah, I mean, you're getting nice. booed. You're not a representative. Do you harbor hatred in your heart? I feel like you don't really. No, I don't like hate him. 
I I think it's funny to I like literally I think it's funny to see Broncos fans now getting the experience. Like that's <laughs> like the 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 Seahawks weirdness of like every single game is just absolutely weird is like almost it's going to be transferred onto the Broncos now I can feel it. We'll talk about this a lot, but I will just say that the weirdness I think was encapsulated by how often Russell Wilson insisted on rolling out to his left. Yeah. Basically to like prove that he could slash to prove, you know, I could have played pro baseball and like I can turn <laughs> around and throw to, to first like a Manny Machado. And like they did it so much. I was like, you're purposely making it difficult for yourself because you believe you can do it. And I'm like, that's the whole thing with Russ. Like just trying yeah. like the degree of difficulty, like you're Simone Biles. And I'm like, but you don't have to do things that hard. And also it sounds like Pete Carroll wanted to force him left. He was quoted yes. to saying when he moves left, it's it's hard for him. And and it was effective for us tonight. So he it's clearly hard for anybody. knew that. He's a righty. That's how it works <laughs> to go the other. Like anyone knows this. All right. We're going to talk about this all season, but I it, it was a very entertaining game. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't know how we didn't mention the, I got off the fourth down thing quick, but I will say. The, the, the advanced stats predicting the future, very difficult. However, the rough, rough percentages of a 64-yard field goal are about 4.5%, and the <laughs> rough odds of getting a fourth and five is actually 45%, give or take. This is when analytics are fucking stupid. It's like, you don't need any of that. Like, watch the game, and you can tell what you should yeah. do. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback or a kicker kicking a 64-yard field goal. Like, this is easy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the, the age-old, what does the opposing fan base want you to do? Yes, yes. you don't need advanced analytics. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fucking obvious. Yes. It's also just like incredibly, incredibly ironic that they traded all this stuff for him, paid him two hundred whatever thirty million dollars, and then they refused <laughs> to put the ball in his hands in the clutch situation. What like, else what was funny fuck? was that you know what the easiest thing for Russell Wilson the whole night was getting five yards. Every fucking completion, they, the first half they were averaging ten yards a play. Every yeah. run was going for at least six yards, and every throw was going for six yards. So the irony of it, it the whole thing is wild. All right, we're going to talk about the Broncos a lot. But we had we had to get that in. But let's get to Power Hour. Yeah. Again, Power Hour, super simple. We're all every week we're ranking stuff. This week we're ranking our biggest overreactions from week one. To be clear, these aren't just like overreactions. These are overreactions we have that we kind of might believe. We're not saying like maybe this is definitely how it is. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's things we're feeling. Correct. It's, it's the perfect intersection of overreactionary, but also things I maybe kind of sort of believe. Right. We're not saying go take action on this advice. We're saying we're feeling these things and we'll talk them out. And I have power ranked them based on how overreactionary <laughs> and how much I maybe sort of kind of believe them. Yeah, so DK, Craig, and I, we all made lists. The three of us made lists. DK and I sent our lists to Craig. Craig has then power ranked them. So that's the order we're going through. Craig's going to take us through the order and we're going to do this power hour style. So uh, everyone's going to take two minutes. After two minutes, you'll hear this sound from Tom Tom Club. And after that sound, in theory, we will move on. You know in Step Brothers when they come back from uh, Mary Steenberg and the mom talking about the Brennan has a mangina thing? And they're like, Ice Ice Baby, it's a great song. It well, really is. Song. That's how I feel every time the Tom Tom Club plays. I'm like, it's a great song. It really <laughs> is. This is really is. All right. Take us home. Craig. Okay. Power ranking. Number one biggest overreaction we've had after week one. What if Kyle Pitts is just Jared Cook with better PR? <laughs> Who fucking wrote that? Calling his own number. Uh, God damn it, Craig. Listen, I have him in one of my, my big leagues this year, and I'm already ready to be disappointed. Again, he had two catches for 19 yards. All right. Yep. The Seahawks had three different tight ends that scored more fantasy points than Kyle Pitts did last night. <laughs> That's tough. That's a really tough one. When look. you say it like that. Like, I get that Kyle Pitts is, you know, a, a supreme talent, one of the best prospects of all time. But, like, is the situation just going to suck? I mean, he had Matt Ryan last year, and and he still had six games with less than 35 yards. Mm. Travis Kelsey has had nine games with less than 35 yards in the last four years. My, my fear is, is that, like, as good as Kyle Pitts is, like, what if the situation's just not that good? And yeah. he's talented, but it, it's just not going to be there. This is the most classic expectations versus hype thing. It's just, it's our, like, this isn't Kyle Pitts' fault. It's our fault. We're like, oh, best tight end prospect ever. And then it's like, I mean, how old is he? Is he still 22 he's years 20, old? He's 20, like one. I think he's 21. 
Yeah. No, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he's twenty. Yeah, he's twenty-one. He turns twenty-two in October, and we're like, "Where okay. is the production, Kyle?" It's yeah. Like, whose fault is that? And by the way, it usually takes tight ends like four years to like emerge in the NFL. You're in oh, thousand, well, in the college breakout yards. age is so important, but in the NFL, I guess it's not. Okay. Kyle Pitts has been able to walk into a bar and legally purchase a Bud Light for eleven months, <laughs> and we're like, "God damn it, man! Be the third best tight end in football already." Here's the deal. I the underlying metrics were still really, really strong for Kyle Pitts. So I'm not like I, they keep saying that. I'm not panicking. Dude, he had a thousand yards last year. Like <laughs> calm down. That. He's gonna be okay. He ran he had one touchdown. He ran routes on 84% of his uh snaps. Yeah. He <laughs> tied for the team high with seven targets. He had yeah, 90- that's the team high. My fear is None that, of like, these things are worth fantasy points, DK. Well, obviously, since he scored like two fantasy points, I'm just saying like <laughs> utilization is important. He had 93 air yards, which was third among all tight ends. I think his A dot was like the second highest of all eight tight ends. He's going to get the big plays. I'm, my fear, my true fear here is not that he's Jared Cook. It's that he's like Mike Williams, where some days he puts up 30 points and some days he's invisible. All right. So he's Mike Williams with better PR. All right. So Tom Tom Club. <laughs> great song. Great. It really is. All right. Really next is. one here. This is uh, comes from our man, Danny Heifetz. What if Trey Lance sucks? <laughs> Heifetz, take it away. I mean, look, we knew he might suck in real life, but our point was even if he sucks in real life, he might he, he's going to be good in fantasy. Man, Trey Lance was awful in real life and in fantasy. Like, that, that was bad. Like, he had nine fantasy points. And, like, here's the thing. I'm bummed. Like, we're bummed. Like, we touted him all offseason, and he was terrible for everyone to listen to us in week one. Nine fantasy points. Like it, we, this is an overreaction. Like literally, there was a monsoon. Like nobody could have been successful in that. It's like and again, three inches of standing water on the field. The rain. There was there was standing water. It was like if that was <laughs> like your yard, you'd be concerned. Like for like a drainage. They need bump. a sump pump out there. Again, they they did. They had to add <laughs> graphics to the field for the yardages because the paint washed away. Who could do well in that? So now, it's like a again, very meta game for like the state of the earth right now, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> Having said that, if Trey but, Lance is bad again in week two, I will be dis- beside myself. I will walk into the sea. Yeah, so w- they're playing yeah. Seattle next week, and hmm. we haven't come out with our rankings yet. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. You can check out our rankings in the next few days. But if you're a Trey Lance manager in fantasy, do you still – and let's say you, you took our advice and you also drafted a Kirk Cousins. How do you feel about Trey Lance versus a kind of a middle-of-the-road, high-floor guy like a Kirk Cousins this week? I mean, that's personal preference. The Vikings are playing the Eagles. Like, Kirk is fine. I, I'm playing Trey Lance again. I'm doing it again. I'm going with the rain. Because here's the thing. The things we were thinking about were there. He had 13 carries for yeah. 54 yards. Like, a third of the Niners' designed runs were for Trey Lance. Like, that's what we wanted, right? And, like, he did have great throws. The interior of their offensive line is bad. Like, straight up. That's not great for, you know, his, his pocket presence. He looked like someone who was in high school 15 games ago. That's a little concerning. Like, I wish he, they hope they watch tape. But I'm playing him again. But if he sucks again, I'm going to be very upset. And I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> All right. So he's just right. Tim Tebow with better PR. Got it. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, the opposite. Tim Tebow played more in college than Trey Lance has in his life. Uh, I'm saying in the way that he's, like, what if he's just really bad at throwing and they just run him a lot? You know, well, we don't, we we cannot make that judgment based on this game. It was a monsoon. I'm not making the judgment. It's an overreaction. It's just my feeling is fear. Okay, next one here. Both of you put this, so I had to put it third. Alvin Kamara is washed, is what Danny (laughs) Kelly put. (laughs) And Heifetz put Alvin Kamara equals milk was a bad choice. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to take this? DK. One of my very important leagues, I have Alvin Kamara. And I chose him in the second round. And I'm just like, man, that was stupid. <laughs> well, after one game, yeah, it looks really, really bad. Here's the deal. He played 38 out of 61 snaps. Of course, he's never really been a super high snap player in his career. But he only ran 19 routes on 40 dropbacks. He was into block way more. I think he stayed into block 11 times. His previous career high was seven, um, which may be a function of like th- they want to be a more deep past team like this is Jameis Winston offense now like he likes to push the ball downfield Jarvis fucking Landry was like one of the deepest receivers in the NFL this week like Jarvis Landry was um so maybe this is like a completely different offense that doesn't really fit Kamara's like skill set or at least it's not great for him in fantasy um he did get vultured by Taysom Hill I feel like this is going to be a common occurrence um 
he carried the ball nine times, caught three passes, 6.1. Yeah, 12 touches for 46 yards. I think that it was, it's yeah. always a combo of like, Kamara's always been touchdown dependent. Drew Brees was checked down king. Jameis is not checked down king. And he probably has lost a third of a step from his peak, if not a half. And all that, again, he had a rib injury in this game. Mm-hmm. So, you so know, that's that important. probably contributes a lot. Again, yeah, as DK said, Taysom Hill vultured him. It will get better. Like, it will get better for Kamara, but it is hard not to wonder, man, passing at him for, like, some of the running backs in, like that look like they're in better situations. Javante in Denver, Leonard Fournette in Tampa Bay, and I'm like, man, I'm not saying it's not going to, you know, he'll be disappointing, but I am saying... I'm really worried he's Kamara's gonna be disappointing. I mean right. the Saints were the Saints were in catch up mode the entire game and he had four targets. That is slightly That's the alarming. Because Jameis is yeah, it's it's a phrase. It's just plus YOLO ball, man. Like he's yeah. not checking it down to running backs. I think we underrated that. Next one here. This comes from me. what if you should just what if you should just sell the Packers while you still can? Well, which? All of them? All of them. <laughs> like well i like I, I guess that, so i mean no i think is the answer across the board because rogers who's gonna take aaron Rodgers after this week and then alan lazard like is hurt you can't but i look at the running backs and i'm like aj Dillon. like the only thing the promise that i think will be kept is the idea that aaron jones and aj Dillon will both have 50 catches i know aj Dillon was better this week than aaron jones but like man like he, he wasn't only better i mean he he outtouched him significantly my point my, my overreaction is like what what if the packers are just going to be mediocre this year and everybody on this offense isn't going to be that great like what if aaron jones is a like like a a glorified Ramondre Stevenson this year and none of the Packers receivers are good and Aaron Rodgers is way worse because Devonta Adams is gone everyone's pointing so I, out last year's blowout to the Saints yes. as reason for not being concerned but like they still put up seven points against the Vikings and they look like shit and you know who was on that team last year Devonta Adams yeah I agree with you in the, <laughs> so in this sense what, what everyone like it was weird because everyone had the same reaction we did everyone had the same thing of like oh yeah it was bad but you know they got blown out last year, and like, okay. again, they, they were missing their left tackle, both tackles, it guard, make and it like okay. three, yeah. I, exactly. It doesn't make it okay. But I, I agree. I think the Packers might just. What if they're just awful? They're playing the Bears this week, so that's what's kind of nice. Is it's like if they lose to the Bears the year after Aaron Rodgers, like I own you, panic time immediately. But I actually think AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to be great. Like I think that they're just they will really have to get an insane amount of receiving volume every game. So that part I actually like. I just think A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones might be kind of more in the, like where we rank them, we probably rank them 20 spots apart. My fear is that they're actually more both kind of in the middle and that Aaron Jones is going to end up being disappointing for the year and and A.J. Dillon's going to be the only guy that actually kind of pays off dividends this year for the Packers. I would see if there's a world Aaron Jones has four touchdowns this week. Probably will. Well, yeah, maybe. That's Craig, did you one. put my hot take about AJ Dillon in the list or no? Because I, I had, I had an AJ Dillon take. No, I didn't. But you should, you should add, tack that on right now. Just really quick, AJ Dillon. I, my overreaction was that AJ Dillon is going to outscore Aaron Jones. AJ Dillon uh, outtouched Aaron Jones fifteen to eight. He had ninety-one yards to Aaron Jones' seventy-six. He had six targets to Aaron Jones' five targets, which is really the big, the big one that we got to talk about. He out-targeted him. Uh, 17.6 half PPR points to 9.1 for Aaron Jones. Jones did average nine and a half yards a touch. So I, I think the Packers, if I'm being realistic, I think the Packers know they need to get Aaron Jones more involved. So okay. I, 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 so, so like and Reese, I'm also hosting the NFL show on the, uh, the Ringer NFL show feed this week from Friday's previewing the weekend. And Solak and Reese were gave this whole spiel on how running backs really will be on the field at the same time more often. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt. There's a reason Kareem Hunt caught two touchdowns. Like, he was basically playing fullback for Cleveland last week in various things. And A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones had the same thing going on. So I think that in the earlier part of the season will definitely be a thing where, like, both running backs are on at the same time, and A.J. Dillon will be the beneficiary of that. But we can get into that later. But All right. A.J. Dillon, shockingly nimble for how big he is. Oh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. 
Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. Okay, next one. This is courtesy of DK here. Kadarius Tony is this year's Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> yes. So, as you all remember, last year we hyped up Brandon Ayuk coming into the season. Uh, I don't exactly remember where we had him ranked, but like we were pretty high on him. We were excited about it. He had a really strong finish to the 2020 season. Um, and then he had zero points in week one. Like he barely played. The, he was in the doghouse immediately uh, for Kyle Shanahan um, because of basically the the word on the street or whatever. Like what we heard afterwards was he didn't put in the type of work that Kyle Shanahan expected. There was some like issues with being in the pandemic. Like they didn't have a real off season when he was a rookie, and so he he didn't prepare the way he was supposed to. Um, and he took to the hard coaching, and he ended up being really, really good for the 49ers in the second half of last year. Kadarius Tony, I don't know if he's personality-wise very similar to Brandon Ayuk, but I think he's so good that the story arc is going to be similar. I think he's going to end up learning. Like Basically, the reason he didn't play barely in week one, Brian Dayball is saying he has to earn his spot. Sounds like he maybe doesn't know the playbook as well as he should. He needs to get like a, a basically you know, a shot in the arm. He needs to like get get his act together. Um, he played seven snaps. Kadarius yeah. Tony this week. He got two touches and then he had one end around where he looked incredible. He made like yeah. nine guys miss and got like 15 yards. <laughs> <laughs> because you know why? It's because the Titans were so shocked that he got the ball. They're like, this guy doesn't <laughs> even know the this guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a combination of he does marginally improve as a like in preparation and they just fucking need him to be in there like honestly i will admit this i you know by the josh standards of a giants fan i don't love Kadarius tony i don't see him as a guy that sticks on this team long term but i will admit that they're so down bad for playmakers that i can i if he's if he is able to stay healthy it would be nice if he actually could be on the field for more than seven snaps yes so dk you are you are underreacting to his performance essentially <laughs> oh yeah that's such a good point i guess yeah Maybe it's just me overreaching. Maybe he's just a, a knucklehead and he's never going to get on the field. Who knows? What's an overreaction? Yeah, maybe you're numb to the pain. What's the reaction? You're like, oh, the Giants, this guy that everyone loved had seven snaps. And you're like, actually, he's going to be great. Yeah, you're underreacting to the overreaction, which I, I like. That's a nice yeah. zig while everyone's acting. You're ahead of the curve. Uh, all right. Uh, next one here, courtesy of Heifetz. Javante Williams is just a top five running back. Mm. Man. He looked great last night. Heifetz was anti Javante. We all offseason. were. We, yeah, I, I, I think Hyphus was the most, though. I was, and I think that I just didn't feel as strongly as other people that Javante Williams was going to separate himself from Melvin Gordon as much as everyone wanted, and that for better or worse, Melvin Gordon was going to be veteran, annoying veteran skills that people wanted, and that this was going to be much more even than I than people thought. Now, having said that, we weren't like significantly lower in our ranking of Javante than anywhere else. We kind of had him where everyone else did, which is like early 20s. Mm -hmm. If you need a running back around like, you know, late in the second, you should take Javante Williams. That's pretty much where we had him. Right we just weren't as early. like over the top bullish on him we as were everybody not, else was. I was not buying the thing where he's this year's Jonathan Taylor. And I'll say this after watching Monday Football. Fuck. I <laughs> think he's like this year's Jonathan Taylor. Maybe right? he is. I, he looked incredible. Javante Williams had 12 targets. Like, he had 11 catches for 65 11 yards. He's catches. a running back. 11 catches for 65 yards. I don't know if I can ever remember Russell Wilson feeding a running back with 11 catches. I should look that up. If Javante didn't fumble at the goal line, then he would have, let's say he scores, he would have had eight more points. So the six of the score, two for the fumble getting back. That makes him a top four running back between behind like Saquon <laughs> and like amazing. Jonathan Taylor. And we're having a completely different conversation. If you can like acquire Javante Williams... Like, for example, I am really wondering. I think I would just trade Kamara straight up for Javante Williams. I regret not having him. Mm. I'm sure there will be more frustrating moments down the line where Melvin Gordon vultures touchdowns. But, man, Javante looks incredible. With that said, I'm I'm 
very much prepared for Melvin Gordon to get 18 touches next week. And Javon Melvin Gordon did outcarry him. He outcarried him. Seven. But yeah. the receiver, <laughs> dude, he had 11 yeah. catches. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's a running back. That's not going to happen every week, but I do think in retrospect, I can see why this would be the, the case. Like if teams are basically saying the, the best way for Russell Wilson to beat us, is, the, the easiest way for Russell Wilson to beat us is by throwing it over our heads. Therefore, we're going to keep everything in front, make him jump off and then just hustle and tackle. That's like, yeah, I mean, he didn't throw strategy. his receivers for the first half of the game. Russ. Exactly. It was all tight ends and running backs. Um, so in retrospect, maybe it does make a little bit of sense that he would like dump it off a lot because teams are basically playing cloud coverage over the top. Putting as as Solak likes to say, like putting a lid on the or putting a putting a roof on the house, um, and maybe that means there's just gonna be more of that this year than we've seen in the past. So uh, it's interesting. I, I I definitely wouldn't expect like eleven catches every game, but more than we expected probably. Okay, next one here. This is mine. The Patriots are the worst fantasy football team in the league. <laughs> oh, I that's like a it. bad take. I thought I, I, I you should have said of the decade. <laughs> Just fucking lean into I, it. I, when you said of the, I was like, do it. Do it. Give me century. <laughs> Give me century. Give I mean, me the century. Too many the last bad billion seconds. I mean, yeah. the, running backs, seconds. the running back snaps were a disaster. It was basically a perfect three-way split between Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and Ty Montgomery. This Ty Montgomery played fears, yeah. pretty much all of the third downs. Uh, the whole, All the running backs combined averaged three yards a carry. No player in the game had more than 55 yards. They scored one touchdown. Fuck. Mac Jones has is, is got a hurt <laughs> back. The tight end situation didn't work out. Hunter Henry ran 11 more routes than Jonu Smith. Um, I mean, you go across the other fantasy teams in the league. The Texans have at least Brandon Cooks, and Damian Pierce has promise. The Jets have Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. Like, I'm more excited about the Jets and the Texans than I am the Patriots in fantasy Flacco football this year. Flacco threw the ball 59 times. He <laughs> <laughs> had 59 pass attempts, most in the NFL. Did you realize this? Craig, I think you're spot on because you kind of have to forget it's the Patriots for a second and you have to be objective. And you're like, the running back situation is Damian Harris trying to like score touchdowns for what is going to be a bottom three offense. So you have like, you know, a touchdown dependent guy on a bottom three offense. Ramondre being, hope, what are you hoping for Ramondre? And then like, it's a three-way time split with, and then a passing offense, like Hunter Henry as a tight end dependent touchdown on one of the worst offenses in football is like the only guy who's like actually startable. Like, what do you I, have to I guess. How down bad do you have to be to actually play Damian Harris? You know what I mean? The entire team is by committee. The like the entire offense is by committee. There's nobody who is going to command. I don't as, I'd love to make like a prediction. Are, is anyone on the Patriots going to get more than 100 yards in a game this year? Maybe I'll say no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Great song though. God it is. Uh okay, next one here. This is Heifetz. Other than Jonathan Taylor. The second round running backs are better than the first. Okay, give give us a roundup. Yeah, give us a well, roundup. This is piggybacking off the last thing I said, but basically, um, so Jonathan Taylor's out of this. He, he doesn't count. But basically, you know, if you look at this, talking about you know fears and overreactions, it's like the guys going in the second round. I mean, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Saquon, Leonard Fournette versus Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. Who do you actually want? Like the rest wow. of the, the next sixteen games. Throw in Najee want? Harris. Yeah, Najee, yeah, depending. I mean, Joe Mixon is kind of in the middle here. Najee's weird because based on, like, when the foot injury news came out, like, you might even go earlier, but, like, who do you want? Because I kind of think those guys going, like, later toward the end of the second round, Saquon, Fournette, Javante, just straight up would be better than the guys going closer to, like, the 10th overall pick, like Kamara and all them. We didn't really talk about the fact that CMC just didn't have that great of a game. Well, I'd like to point out one thing. There was a fumble. There was a fumbled oh, snap. Oh, yes. yes <laughs> he picked weird. it up and ran for 30 yards. Yes, Baker wasn't shotgun, <laughs> dropped the snap. McCaffrey picks it up, runs 35 yards, and gets no hey, He looked incredible. He looked like the old Christian McCaffrey. The yards, they're not going to add it to his total because there's this weird stat like a fumble recovery. error in yeah. football where if you pick up a fumble, like the stat just disappears into thin air. Yeah, it's a blind spot, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he really like had 35 more yards. But, but I will say, McCa I mean, I'm the least afraid of McCaffrey as long as McCaffrey being healthy. Like, I'm not afraid because at the end of the day, the Panthers' offense just threw the ball to McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. McCaffrey, I think, will get better. Um, Derrick Henry did not look good against the Giants. He usually – he often yeah. does start slow. But, man, I mean – Eckler was playing, like, half the snaps. Yeah. Yes. This take, this overreaction kind of captures the essence of, like, what week one is all about because – 
I I f- guarantee you that next week Derrick Henry's going to have 160 yards. Eckler's going to have nine catches. <laughs> Dalvin Cook's going to have three touchdowns. Like this, yeah. but, but this, this is, is what why it's all about. we set. This is why we told people like we were fine taking Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or even Jamar Chase in the first round. And you guys were more on Jamar than me. But like this is why we were like take a receiver. You can get a running back later. I didn't think it'd be this extreme though. All right, number nine here on the overreaction power ranking. This is from DK. Uh, there's just one problem, Happy. CeeDee Lamb isn't very good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, so I'm writing an article this week about um, basically the panic index for fantasy football after one week. I'm, I'm legitimately kind of panicking about CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> like most of the stuff that happened in week one, I'm like, it's weird. It's an outlier. Week one is always a bit like off. The CD Lamb stuff is actually has me worried. Like, basically, if you go back to last year down the stretch, like it, during the fantasy playoffs, essentially, he averaged like eight and a half points per game during the fantasy playoffs. He was like outscored by freaking Cedric Wilson and and uh, Michael Gallup and all these other just like random guys. There was some signs there that he wasn't like this true alpha number one that we kind of have made him, you know, made him into. Um, and then coming into the season, like there was plenty of reasons for to be bullish about him coming into the season. Like, like even his underlying like metrics, like his PFF grade was really good last year. His r- yards per out one run was really good. He was very good in reception perception. Like, there's all this data that would back up the idea that he's going to be this electric elite pass catcher. But he fucking stumbled out of the gates again. Like it was really bad. He had 11 targets. He only had two catches for 29 yards. Um, so, and by the way. He had a chance for like a 74-yard touchdown. But uh, Ian Hart at PFF does the sheesh article every week, which is great because it's basically all the plays that were really close to happening. Like, for instance, Jamar Chase was really close literally to scoring four more Best touchdowns. catch of the week. <laughs> yes. Every good um, play that happened this week was in that game. Yes. Yeah. So g- the sheesh report is very great. I don't know if that's the official name of it, but that's like the, the spirit of it. Um and in that, uh, Harditz noted that Lamb, and I, I went back and watched the play, he he str- he got open down the sideline, like, really late in the fourth quarter. It would have been a 74-yard touchdown. And Cooper Rush fucking overthrew it out of bounds by about eight yards. And, I mean, like, this is this is foreshadowing for what the rest of the season is going to be like, depending on how long Dak Prescott's out. I want to extend this past Tom Tom because this is important. I, I actually didn't send this to Craig, and I don't know why. I kind of just forgot because this has been in my head all week that I forgot it was even an overreaction. I feel like the Cowboys are just the Chicago Bears with better PR at this point. Like, if they don't have Dak, I think the Cowboys God. are legitimately, I think they're going to come last in the NFC East, and they have a chance to be bottom five in the entire NFL, get a top five pick. Like, I mean, I know that sounds nuts, but at the end of the day, what's the best strength of this team? A defensive end and the two running backs? Doesn't that sound like the Bears when they had Khalil Mack and freaking David Montgomery? Like, what is <laughs> oh, going on in this team? They don't like, the they have a good is- stadium, though, Heifetz. Well, well uh, yeah, well, the problem with the Bears is the field floods, and the problem with the Cowboys is the ceiling. It's, it's the football short. sometimes. And it, I, the Jerry World was a Nathan for you. You'll never convince me otherwise. Yes. But I guess, like, we are doing our rankings this week, and my brain broke today doing rankings. I was like, where do I rank C.D. Lamb mm. among all these other players? He was the wide receiver six in ADP. Yeah. If you like, you have to play him in theory. No, you fucking don't. You should. Like, it takes, you know, chutzpah <laughs> to bench him. Yeah. You don't have to play CD Lamb to Cooper Rush unless you want to be like Craig, a little contrarian, and make the argument that Cooper Rush will be better for CD Lamb because he will have to force the ball to him. What else is your argument? He's playing behind now a bottom five O line, and he's probably the worst starting quarterback, period. Would you rather have Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields or CD Lamb with, with Cooper Rush? Fuck. <laughs> uh, Mooney, well, Mooney's also in that bucket. Cole Kamek got no, like, no catches last week. That was brutal. And then Darnell Mooney barely did anything. And like, again, it was raining for the Monsoon. Bears too. Yeah, but uh, man, I, I kind of think next, like, if you put a gun to my head, dude, I, I mean, give me Darnell Mooney for next week. Oh my god, you got to play CD Lamb if you have him, but not really. Okay, it's tough. I'm playing CD, but I'm worried. That's how I'm going to put it. Okay, last one here. This one comes from me. This is perhaps one of the more hyperbolic ones. But like, when is anybody going to acknowledge that Davis Mills might be decent? <laughs> yeah, I like, like this one. Oh, no, never. Craig, I almost put this. He's just not that bad. Like, late-run quarterbacks pan out all the time, and I feel like we are resisting saying that he's... All right. You know, and, and I looked up all the games where he has over 25 passing attempts, which is basically every game he either didn't leave with an injury or the first few games uh, when he was a rookie, they didn't throw it that much. 
So all the games he has over 25 passing attempts, he's averaging 250 yards per game and he's throwing 16 touchdowns to five picks. Like he's just fine. Like he's he's not bad. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, why does nobody want to acknowledge that Davis Mills is like, he's not Well, so bad. I think I'd almost go the other way on this. Everyone thinks Davis Mills is underrated. I think Davis Mills is unanimously considered underrated. No, I don't think so. I think the media is very against Davis Mills and thinks he's terrible. Who? I, I think the average, like, I hear the think difference. that's true. I do think that's true. I think, like, my dad is like, that Davis Mills, not so bad. But I think, like, every analyst out there is like, Davis Mills is terrible. Do you think... It's it's the hubris of the draft expert upset that they didn't predict Davis Mills being decent. Like what is it? I actually don't because he was tried because he was like a like basically a good player at Stanford. He dealt with injuries, right? Dick is a very high, highly highly uh, prospect. No, he wasn't he wasn't very good. That, that's the deal is though. He wasn't very good at Stanford. He he had his career was basically defined by the fact he had a major knee he had multiple major knee injuries. He barely played. He did play, I think he started for like one full season. He he showed some traits, I would say that. But it, I don't I think, think the bias against the quarterback. The bias is no one wants to admit the Texans could be good. And the, the Texans, bias is his neck is outrageously long, <laughs> and he's kind of like that makes him kind of weird looking. And I think people are like, this weird looking long neck guy can't be that good. He looks photoshopped. You know what? He That's a great take. <laughs> it's a great take. Like if he looked, it's like actually Jimmy, good for being a quarterback, though. If he looked like Jimmy Garoppolo, would we say he was pretty good? Probably. Yes. That's that's the best thing you said. His long neck like actually is helpful. This is like, he's perfectly evolved to play quarterback. He can see over his linemen. <laughs> he's evolved like a giraffe. Like- <laughs> <laughs> he can reach really high. Um, no, I don't know. I, I think this is a great take because uh, I think I saw this. He was like in the top 10 in PFF's uh, quarterback rating this week. He was like, you know, every time I looked at the uh, Texans-Colts game, I was like, he's making a good throw. I don't, I don't actually know. Like, I would need to go back and watch Yeah, 240 game. yards, two touchdowns. I'm just like, I don't know. When are we going to be like, Davis Mills is better than Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Trey Lance? <laughs> On this vein, I'm surprised I had a take that I thought you would include. I guess I could have worded it a little better, but I'm just going to I'm just gonna throw one out if you didn't pick it. Which is, Amon Ross Bra- Amon- St. Brown is a top 10 receiver. And it's the same thing. It's like, when are we going to top 12. This? Not that that's that different. Uh, well, I top five, to fucking DK. lean into it, Heifetz. Come on, he is I top think five. Was that overreactionary? To be honest, calling him a top twelve wide receiver. What I meant is this: Amon Ross St. Brown is top nine, and when I say top nine, I mean top nine with Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, like all, like all, Stephon Diggs, all the elite players, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like they're all together, and at some point, we have to like accept that this is reality in the world we live in. At the last six games of last season, Amon Ross St. Brown was literally. What the fuck just happened? Sorry. The timer went off. Oh, I just removed the timer from the screens. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I thought my computer was shutting down. We can keep that in. It's cute. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, but literally, Amonra was a top three receiver at the downstretch of last season. It was fucking, it was Cooper Cup, Amonra, Devontae Adams. After Thanksgiving, Amonra was top five among receivers and targets, top five in yards, top five in touchdowns, top two in catches. And we all came into the season like, well, you know. TJ Hawkinson was hurt and DeAndre yeah. Swift was hurt. So that can't happen again. And then he had 12 targets this week. He did it again. He had 12 targets. He had eight catches. He had a touchdown. Like at some, like how many weeks in a row can, and again, I also am team like you never really pick up where you leave off. However, how many weeks in a row is the Monroe St. Brown going to have double digit targets until we accept he's a top tier wide receiver. Uh, I saw this from Dwayne McFarland. I'm Ross St. Brown has seven straight games with 30-plus percent target share. That's what Devontae That's Adams elite, does. Elite, yeah. Um, I wanted to add one thing, and this is breaking. This is breaking news. Craig, it Ooh. doesn't make your take any less good because oh, your take no. was very good. Ty Montgomery has been placed on the injured reserve. Oh. So that does change things, potentially, for the, uh, for the Patriots' backfield. Like, this was the whole thing all along, if it's a two-man rotation, that's very good for Damian Harris and for Ramondre Stevenson. If it's a three-man rotation, it's disaster. You want to avoid all these guys. Uh, the most Patriots thing possible, and maybe t- Craig's take is going to be correct, is that you they'll just say like, Pierre Strong. <laughs> yes, Pierre Strong is just going to come in and take over the Ty Montgomery role, and we're all going to be continue to be sad. There you go. There, there are your overreactions after Week One. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, you guys want to get to emails? Yeah, let's do it. All right, emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com if you have fantasy court, if you, whatever, you want to ask us weird stuff, whatever you want to do. Emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Got a great email from John. 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 J-O-N, John. Like John Snow. I think a week or two ago, I forget, Craig told the story. You want to just rehash it real quick? Basically, we're playing some dumb game. and Bunch of friends in a house had nothing to do. We had a little... Uh thing of electrolytes like a little cylinder of electrolyte powder and we just started sliding it across the table and tried to have it hang over the edge and that turned into a game that we played for an entire weekend and my point was like <laughs> guys will literally be entertained by anything and if you put four women in a house for 10 years they would never get to play that game yeah they would never occur to them <laughs> they would that never that would think to play that game yes so our point was guys are stupid john emails on this <laughs> response and John says, in light of the game, the silly game that Craig discussed, we're rolling the tube of electrolytes to the edge of the table. A few of my buddies get together and we play trivia weekly on a front porch. And we invented a game within the game where we crush a beer can and put the crushed beer can on the road. And every time a car runs over, they yell, can! <laughs> the game is called can. <laughs> That's it. That's the game. Yeah. And John writes that the guys who play this game can include a tenured college professor, a CPA, a surgeon, a physical therapist, a teacher, and a social worker. And they're just sitting on a porch and they're yelling, can, every few minutes on Tuesday nights. <laughs> we're all just a golden retriever from up, and it's a miracle we can talk. And we're all yeah. just like, squirrel, squirrel. Dude, that is the best. I love that. Uh, they do like the shorts with that dog that Calvin used to love watching those. Those are my favorite like digital shorts or whatever. Uh, amazing. If, you, if anyone wants to email us more... Men are dumb stories. Ring your fantasy football gmail.com. I it's great. I hope I play can this weekend with my friends. <laughs> can uh, we also got an email specifically about how we are dumb from Adam? Uh, last this week, one I was, blew my mind. Last yes. week, I was saying how I was like, why did Thanos have to kill half the people when he could have just doubled the resources of the like, you know what I mean? That seems like right. he, you know, with, you could do that. Adam in Kansas City, <laughs> I disputed that by the way. I said there would be massive ecological problems if he did that. Well, Adam in Kansas City writes, you're forgetting that planets are spherical. So for Thanos to have doubled the amount are of they? land, he... <laughs> Some people don't think so. <laughs> God, Just kidding. Continue. That was good. Adam says, for Thanos to have doubled the amount of land, he would have had to nearly triple the volume by about 2.8 times because surface area increases at the power of two, but the volume increases at the power of three. I don't expect you dum-dums to understand the math <laughs> of physics. Correct. But the takeaway is Correct. that everything would weigh much more due to the increased gravity, and that would cause all sorts of problems, including nothing being able to fly, thus triggering the extinction of the vast majority of pollinators on the planet, and the resulting ecological bees. collapse would probably... <laughs> bees. Death of bees. You're the resulting the ecological collapse would probably kill virtually everyone. And then there's a pause, and he goes on and explains other things, and he says, I'm sorry, I called you dum-dums earlier. Only one of you is dumb, and you know which one. Love the show. <laughs> the hell does that mean? I have a retort. Why can't the fucking guy with all the infinity stones just change physics? That's what I thought. Well, I have two, I have two thoughts on this. One, simple I was like, answer. I don't know who. Th he can't. I actually had three thoughts. I my first thought was yeah, what DK said of like I feel like Thanos could change that. Two, I don't know who the dumb dumb is on the pod. And three, I was like, well, if you don't if you don't know who the dumb dumb is. I think that's psychological warfare. <laughs> I think that's Adam fucking with us, to be honest. We're I'm not going to fucking dumb. take the bait because we're not dum-dums. He wants to divide and conquer us. That's what he wants to do. <laughs> Chaos is a I did. I, well, what's that line in Rounders where they're like, if you can't spot the sucker at the table in half an hour, you're the sucker. And it's like, if I can't spot the dum-dum on If the you don't dog, know the annoying friend in the group, you're the annoying friend of the group. <laughs> the annoying friend, I, Craig, you're good at naming things. I've always wanted a word for this. You know how like when you're having an argument with your friends, there's like one friend that if they join you in the argument, you're actually like, oh, shit, maybe I am wrong. 
the bad opinion haver. Yeah, like, and, and it actually kind of changes based on what the argument is, right? Some, it's some usually one person, but based on what the but like, there's always someone that you don't actually want on your side because it. Proves yeah, I, I actually have a very strong belief on this. Um, I think that evolutionarily speaking, the human race has evolved to have literal like bad opinion havers because you can't have too much, like, you can't have everyone agreeing on everything, or it could leave the it could lead the entire race off a cliff, right? Like evolutionarily speaking, you have to have people that disagree. You have people that you have to have people that want to run towards danger and people that want to run away from it. Uh, therefore, all this is to say, like if you have bad sports takes, like odds are you have bad opinions on everything. Is this you explaining why you're into Tyler Conklin at tight end? So you're <laughs> saying that that biologically people are just born with the to propensity have to have shitty takes. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> So at every time we have a bad take, it's like, hey, hey, it's not your, I mean, it's, it's in your DNA. Your, I mean, your wrongness. I, was, I was born for this. Is yeah. there a shitty take gene that, that we can built find? Different. You were born to be wrong. <laughs> RIP to your grandma, but I was built different. Oh, man. All right, we got a fantasy court. Adam, you're the dumb dumb. <laughs> back to Craig's you thinking about it. Dumb dumb's in your DNA. How dare you try and tear us down from within? The part that made me laugh the most was, sorry I called you dumb-dumb earlier. <laughs> All right, wait. Fantasy Court from Colin. Court is in session. All rise. If you have Fantasy Court, email us at rearfantasyfootball.gmail.com. Colin says, good morning, your honors, Craig, Daniel, and Daniel. I'm appealing to you as the highest court in the land seeking a declaratory judgment. The Fantasy League I'm in, at the suggestion, at the suggestion of myself and my friend, implemented a punishment for managers whose team has a player who that scores zero or negative points. I love that. The inspiration for this came directly from your episode from yeah. November of 2021. No wonder I love that. Shotgun yeah. zeros, baby. <laughs> you have to chug a beer if you have a zero on your uh, on your roster. Yeah, November 15th. In your starting the, lineup. But it's only if a it's only if the, they can't get hurt, right? It's if they play the full game. No, they can get hurt. Oh, they can get hurt? Oh. Literally it's if you have a zero in your lineup, you have to shotgun a beer and like video it and send it to the group. Yeah, so the losing manager has to shotgun a beer or alcoholic bench to send a video of it to the group chat. And then uh, Colin continues, I did not draft a kicker and used the extra roster spot to hold an additional player. It was Trail on Burks. And my plan was to drop one of my bench players and add a kicker uh, during the late slate on Sunday or on Monday. Savvy move. But it became clear on Sunday that my league mate I was playing was going to curb stomp my team, and he's like glaring at Darnell Mooney and CeeDee Lamb, who ironically we actually <laughs> we just both talked, talked about, about So Colin writes, I decided to keep the roster spot and not add a kicker because I was going to lose. And a lot I of explanations. I cut out a whole paragraph, long so short as you can imagine. His friends want him to shotgun a beer because they didn't have a kicker. Colin says, I argue the rule doesn't apply here by the letter of the law or the spirit of the law. Number one, letter of the law, the exact wording of the rule is if somebody on your team scores, and I think he means in the lineup, somebody on your team scores less than one point, you have to record yourself shotgunning a beer. But an empty slot, Colin argues, an empty slot is not somebody, and the empty <laughs> oh position does not have a numerical value, lawyer. which means it's not within the scope. And then he says, two, the spirit of the law also doesn't apply because the goal of the rule is twofold. One, to incentivize managers to pay attention and set their lineups, even when they're out of the playoff race. And two, to roast their friends when their players are complete trash. This was neither. This was not a player shitting the bed or a failure to remove an injured player. And it, it's the opposite. I made a strategic decision to cut my losses and retain extra roster flexibility, which is the precise kind of intentional managing conduct the rule is designed <laughs> to encourage. So just shotgun the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. This is how what you. This is what it costs to keep that roster spot. Just fucking shotgun the beer. This is definitely argument fetch, but I <laughs> I kind of side with Colin. I think he makes a compelling case. <laughs> this is I, such like fucking legalese, though. It is, but I I like that. We're like judges. The, I like the spirit of it. The whole point is a punishment when you're a player. I actually don't. I, I don't care as much about like this incentivizes people to pay attention because in my mind people should be doing that anyway. I think it's more of a funny consequence when the player you start has yes. a goose egg of a day, yes. and you not starting a player deliberately to me it, it's not as funny. It doesn't follow the spirit of the rule to to make them shotgun a, a beer when like he purposefully sat a player. To me, that's it's not as fun. It should be when a player puts up a goose egg. 
I mean, yes, this that is the spirit of the rule is like basically, haha, you're an idiot. Yeah. Your guy scored zero. It's like Cam Akers sucks, you shotgun a beer or not. <laughs> hey man, you literally didn't start a kicker. On First, purpose. I was on DK's side and reading this, and I'm like, dude, just shotgun. And then I read and I was like, he had me thinking more than I thought. I was like, wow, is the lack of a number the same as zero? Or is it not a numerical value? <laughs> is nobody somebody? I was like, wow. And then I came back and I was like, fuck it. A DK's right. Like Shotgun the beer. Like, the strategic decision you made was, I will not add a kicker, and I will have to shotgun a beer, and I will thus keep Traylon Burks. Like, he has to shotgun the beer. Also, he proposed the rule. Like, you want to add this rule, like, do it. I'm happy to be overruled. I think that I think that we should I think that we should uh, rule in his favor, but then also just peer pressure him into shotgunning a beer anyway for just because it's no. Supposed he to be left fun. out three. He Fantasy left out is supposed to be fun. His yeah. His point was well, the rule only exists to incentivize people to pay attention and two to roast people. But three, it's also funny to make your friends do stuff. Yeah, right. and like he has to do it. <laughs> Not starting someone is a zero. That's you giving up on the concept of them having a good day. I think his argument was really well put together and I respect it and I agree with it. And I think from like a fun, you know, what, spirit of the rule situation, like I don't think he should have to. But yeah, dude, you basically have to shotgun a beer to keep Traylon Burks. You know? Yeah, and Do it's it. also the spirit. I, uh, yeah, I think so. The spirit like, of the rule is if you don't fill out your lineup, you have to shotgun. The like, spirit of no the rule, if you're really getting like high enough, uh, like on the the hierarchy of like needs or whatever, is community. You're shotgunning <laughs> oh. a beer and sending it to your friends, and you're all having a chuckle. That's what fantasy it is. football and you is know all why? about. The points to roast your players should be about. You know what the point is? His team was so bad. He didn't even make it through the one o'clock games until he was like, I throw the shot. <laughs> no, roast the beer, dude. You That's fucking the shotgun. <laughs> All right. We're holding you. We're, we're going to like let you off with, or whatever. Like we're going to agree with you on your, but we're going to hold you in contempt of court and do like this separate charge. <laughs> no, it's like my cousin Vinny. You know my cousin Vinny when it's like he shows up without the suit and they're like, okay, but the lawyer, you have to go to jail for the day. <laughs> like you, Straight to jail. You're in contempt of court. Yeah. Mr. Gambini. Okay. Court is dismissed. Bring in the dancing lobsters. All right. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Our weekly rankings will be up starting Thursday. Uh, Thursday, you can check in for Thursday Night Football and all our, our rankings for the week. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Colin. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball.gmail.com. If you have fantasy courts, if you have arguments, if you have just funny stuff you want to share, actual questions about players. Thank you, Lord. Hold on. Not, we're not thanking Adam because he's a dumb dumb. We're not thanking Adam. <laughs> yeah. Craig's still thinking about Specifically it. Specifically, mad that he called Adam. you a dumb dumb. Craig's just I, stewing. Listen, don't cross us, all right? <laughs> Craig is uh, Chris Farley in the front of the bus in Billy Madison, just getting red, like just think, just like stewing, like like white knuckling the steering wheel, just getting so red and oh, so Doyle mad. rules. No, I should. I actually should be sympathetic with Adam because he was kind of arguing my side. He's Team Thanos with me. Welcome. <laughs> it's I'm the most California Thanos thing Craig's point. ever said. Nothing screams Bay Area like Craig being like, yeah, just get rid of half these people. I'm sick of them. <laughs> Too much traffic NIMBY. in California. Just NIMBY right here. Yeah, yeah half the world, not my backyard. NIMBY. <laughs> get rid of these people. Thanos was just a gentrifier at his core, wasn't he? Well, yes, he was. <laughs> it's a bit of a sadder spin on it. I guess it's not. Either way, he's killing half the world, so probably not great either way. I feel like he could have doubled the whole thing. He should have just made a second Earth. That Adam brought that up. He was no, like, he yeah, Adam. Just, oh, I cut all that out because yes, I thought it was too he, much. He gave Adam, solutions. He could have just literally replicated Earth and made a second one and put half. He the could have on just that. set the gravity to be normal. Like let's be also like we. Adam was out here being all physics, forgetting about biology. You can just double. Like you know what's easier? Just double. Like we do this in real life with GMOs. You can just double the yield for like per square acre of crop. You can just have corn be like twice as productive <laughs> as it is and feed you twice know what, as many hey, people. By you don't have to way, change you know the fucking land. You know what doesn't work in the fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe? Physics. Yeah, look at Thor's hammer yeah. is like a fucking <laughs> superhero. How are we arguing, this? Okay. Are we arguing with Iron Man would have been dead so long ago because of all the times he like decelerated too quickly. All his organs would have like separated from his body. Here's the Benz. Thor's hammer is like a heat-seeking missile powered by <laughs> Zeus. It's like, like what are we fucking doing? multiverse. Uh, like, by the way, he described... When you're saying know. replicate different, like, Earth or whatever, you just described the plot of Counterpart, which is one of my favorite shows. Good show. You know, 
counterpart I've never watched, but I've never actually just read the one paragraph description of a show and been like, yeah, I want to watch that. Oh, it's so fucking good. It, but that one sounds great. Is it yeah. good? It's really good. I liked it a lot. I was really My, bummed. Full disclosure, they canceled it after two seasons. Um, it's the worst. So it's not like the most satisfi- satisfying ending, but it, I thought they wrapped it up well enough to like still really recommend it. It's really Yo, good. Do you remember that ABC show? It was like right when Lost was ending and it was like J.J. Abrams' next thing. And it was basically like everyone in the world passes out for like <laughs> yes. 40 I minutes. I have had this conversation yes, on the podcast. Yes, I remember before. that. Yeah. And then it ca- and it was like good, and then they canceled it, and I was like, but and I was like eleven, and I was like, but what happened to the people? <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, um, find it. I didn't thank a, a band yet. Thank you, Air Supply. Anyone got any Air Supply takes? I would love nothing more than if DK revealed like way later that half of these bands were made up. I'm telling you, we should do You've two heard bands, one Air lie. Supply, all out of love. Come on. You're always like, I've heard Air Supply, but then anytime I ask you, you're like, well, I don't know the names or bands of songs. I just named the song. That's the point, though. You're the, I don't know the names of songs guy. Why would I know the name of the song? You have to sing the song for me. How will I'm I know the name of the song? Love. I'm so I'm lost without you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. Of course I know that. <laughs> I would have, yeah. Anyway, uh, what did you find out about the show, Craig? I couldn't find it. Okay. <laughs> so, wait, I have a weird question. <laughs> that was a cursory DK singing... So bad that it's not a copyright thing. Like, if DK was a really good singer, would that become a copyright issue for us with the song? Mm, probably, yeah. It's like the Vanilla Ice thing where he adds like one or two bars, or I don't even know exactly what his like legal stipulation was. Um, but I, I'm so bad, I'm like totally off enough that it doesn't count. Ice Ice Baby, it's a great song. <laughs> it really is. Such a great song. Great pod. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>